Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. San Jose's food scene has long flown under the radar. It's overshadowed by the established culinary reputations of its San Francisco and Oakland neighbors, and the city suffers from its association with frequently derided tech culture. But KQED food editor Luke Tsai says he'd rather eat in San Jose than almost anywhere else in the Bay Area. That's because it is, he contends, far and away the Bay Area's greatest immigrant food city. And the thriving and diverse dining experience they've created deserves more time in the spotlight. Side joins us to talk more about the San Jose food scene and some of his favorite restaurants in the city. And we also want to hear from you about yours. What's the sort of place you treasure in San Jose? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch in Twitter and Facebook, of course, KQED Forum, or email your selections from San Jose to forum at kqed.org. Welcome back to the show, Luke Sai. Thanks so much for having me, Alexis. So tell us what you mean by sort of an, an immigrant food city and why San Jose is at the top of your list. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just, you know, the inspiration behind the series is just so many years, you know, and I, I should be clear from the start that I'm I'm not from San Jose. Um, I haven't lived in San Jose, you know, so there, there are definitely other people who have a stronger San Jose bona fide. Merely an unbiased <laughs> uh, promoter of the city. I'm, <laughs> I'm just an appreciator, um, a, a longtime appreciator um, of the city's food scene in particular. And, you know, it's it's funny because over the years, you know, and I started uh, my, my story off by talking about this, whenever I would talk about this, depending on who I was talking to, you would get really different reactions, you know? Um, and in certain company, if you'd said, oh, I, I really love San Jose, people would kind of give you this look because I feel like San Jose, um, because of its association with tech, um, as you mentioned, and Silicon Valley, um, people who haven't spent a lot of time in that community just think, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of boring. It's this sort of bland tech suburb. Um, there's not much going on. Probably all the restaurants are, are geared towards, you know, affluent suburban type people. Um, and so there's a sort of 
bias against it. And I think, you know, that's reflected in the media coverage too, where we, we talk about Oakland, we talk about San Francisco, but uh, very rarely do you see um, a big spotlight on San Jose. But when I would talk to immigrants, um, you know, I would talk to, uh, you know, Asian Americans, uh, talk to Latinos, um, the response to, to San Jose is completely different. You know, they'd be like, oh yeah, of course, you know, <laughs> of course San Jose is where you go if you want to have good ramen. San Jose is where you want to go if you, if you want to have good pho. Like, of course, everybody knows that. And so I think that disconnect was something that was really interesting to me. Uh, why is it that um, people who are coming from immigrant backgrounds all know this? Um, but yet it's sort of invisible to the rest of the world. And I think it's because there are all these amazing pockets in San Jose um, where you can find this amazing food. But if you were to just drive through the city, you might not realize that because it does look a little bit suburban, you know, when you mm -hmm. drive down the main stretches and it is just strip mall after strip mall after strip mall. And so if you have a sort of bias against strip malls, you just think, oh, that's that's boring. That's just a bunch of strip malls. There's nothing interesting there. Um, but those of us who have grown up dining <laughs> in strip malls know that some of the finest food in America can be found in these sort of strip malls, uh, especially the ones um, that are these immigrant-owned businesses. And so you have these sort of little pockets, these little enclaves. Um, there's a stretch where like, all of the Vietnamese shops are, you know, including two entire malls that are just <laughs> all Vietnamese shops, all Vietnamese restaurants, all Viet Vietnamese um, dessert places. Um, and then there's another stretch um, of Story Road um, in East San Jose that uh, one of the uh, sources that I talked to said, you know, within a mile and a half um, stretch of this one street, um, she counted 23 uh, individual taquerias. Um, and that's only only the ones that are visible. <laughs> there, there are probably many more that you can't see, you know, just driving past on the street. Um, but it doesn't look like it if you don't know, because it's, it's all in these strip malls. It doesn't look like yeah. Fruitvale in Oakland. It doesn't look like a traditional Chinatown, the way that we think of it. And so it's easy to just sort of dismiss it unless you spend time, and I think even if you live in San Jose, you might not spend time in those neighborhoods if you're not part of those communities. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I really wanted to celebrate, to say, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's celebrate the strip mall um, and let's celebrate these communities that are, you know, serving this amazing food, um, largely to their own communities and to other immigrant communities within San Jose. And they're being perfectly successful doing it. Um, but, you know, I think they deserve our praise and our celebration just as much as any of the kind of fancier, um, more um, highly touted dining media scene. friendly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you're listening to Luke Sai wax poetic about San Jose and the strip mall eatery. And we want to hear from you. What's your favorite strip mall place to eat in the Bay Area? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your favorite strip mall place to eat to forum at kqed.org. Got our first caller. Christopher in San Jose wants to share a special restaurant. 
Hi there. Thanks for having me. Uh, one of my favorite places is the Yegane Cafe on uh, Stevens Creek Boulevard. It's a, it's a Persian food restaurant. Uh, it has a whole bunch of fare other than just Persian food, but it also recently opened up a market in the pandemic. So they closed down a lot of their indoor dining. Mm-hmm. And so they have uh, all of this stuff. Like it's cha- like the only other place you uh, can go is you have to go all the way into Saratoga to get any specialty uh, foods. They have spice mixes. They have pistachios up the wazoo and rose. Where else can you get rose anything? So uh, that's in 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 my in my estimation, it's one of the coolest places in San Jose to go. Uh, and uh, like you were saying, to enjoy uh, to enjoy foods of other cultures. I think uh, Persian food is does delightful things with uh, with a lot of foods that we don't really examine. Couldn't agree more. Up there for me with uh, Mexican cuisine, my my home cuisine, uh, in part because I feel like the stewed, sweet, nutty sauce, Fest and June, is like got to be. Uh, it's basically mole yeah. uh, from uh, from another. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Christopher. Beef tongue for... with cucumbers. Oh. oh, wow! Haven't gone there yet. Beef tongue with cucumbers. That sounds um, amazing, Christopher. That does sound good. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks so much, Christopher. Um, Luke, maybe you could tell us. Like sort of what would be your perfect San Jose food day? <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I, I think I, I, if you read my story, I think I actually included um, a, an itinerary, possible, itin- po- <laughs> possible itinerary. But, you know, there, there are so many and callers who are from San Jose, you know, they're they're listing these restaurants and I'm sure like two thirds of them or more. I probably haven't even been to um, just because there's so much to explore. Um, but you know, this this time around, um, exploring it for purposes of research for this um, series, I I, um, I found out about this amazing um, panaderia, um, Mexico bakery, you know, which has been an institution in the community for, uh, a, you know, a lot of years now. Um, and they, um, you know, they serve uh, b- beautiful, colorful, fluffy um, conchas, um, and other Mexican um, breads and and sweets, um, but then they also serve the most amazing, most enormous tortas. You know the the, the sandwiches, um, and I think I shared a photo of one of the ones that I had um, purchased on on. It's like the size media. of a small child, basically. It's <laughs> enormous, and it had you know it was a I think it was a milanesa, and it, so it had like four layers of breaded steak cutlet it had an entire avocado like a like a large avocado cut into a few pieces but an entire avocado um a huge thick slab um of queso fresco um and then you know a a lot of veggies and and jalapenos and and the the works and it was just a, a beautiful delicious sandwich and if you eat that whole thing then that's your that's your day that's your day in San Jose. <laughs> yeah there you, you go eat anything else pack it up um, go home <laughs> but i wanted to um another place i wanted to shout out is um my favorite pho restaurant and i think if you talk to san jose people um particularly in the vietnamese community i'm sure every person will will have a different favorite pho restaurant um but one of my favorites is this place called pho papa which opened a few years ago again it's just in this strip mall it's like next to the animal hospital <laughs> um and uh there's always a line out the door anytime you go um and they have nothing but pho on the menu you know so i think a lot of times you go to vietnamese restaurants in oakland or san francisco and they feel like they have to have this 
giant menu to appeal to everybody, you know, so you got to have the fried, you know, egg rolls, you got to have this, you got to have rice plates, you got to have something for everyone. But no, at Pho Papa, it's just pho, nothing else but pho. Uh, it's delicious, clean, you know, invigorating broth. And their specialty is um, with with every bowl of pho, you can get on the side an entire uh, beef short rib um, that they serve whole on the bone, gigantic, slow simmered. It's kind of served in its own broth that's kind of like a, a more intensified version of their pho broth. Um, and then you just kind of eat it <laughs> on the side <laughs> with your pho. And it's amazing. And as far as I know, and, and readers can, uh, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was a trend that started in San Jose. Like there were a couple of pho restaurants in San Jose that started doing this whole short rib thing. And now um, there's a whole bunch of places in San Jose that you can get this, but outside of San Jose, like if you go in Oakland or San Francisco, no one has that on the menu. Um, so it just sort of speaks to this. Like we think about like, wh- where do you go to discover food trends? And you think like, oh, you got to go to like the hip restaurants in San Francisco or Oakland. But actually, like if you want to find out like what's trendy within immigrant communities, well, then you have to go to where those immigrant communities, communities are. are yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a. Um, so that's just a couple of places that I would I would uh, shout out. But, you know, there's there's so many more. Yeah. We have a couple of uh, comments, too. I don't know if you know these places. Uh, James writes King Egg Roll on Story Road. Uh, Falafel Drive on Stevens Creek Boulevard and 99 Chicken on El Camino Real. Uh, Karen tweets, Tofu Comche, uh, I hope I said that correctly, and Dumero Mole as well as a couple of other places. Um, and we have uh, Patricia from San Jose on the line who wants to share about a special cook. Hi. Hi, Patricia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Well, I, I just hearing your guest describe the food. I'm, I'm afraid I I don't have the vocabulary. I'm not a good cook. Oh, no, I was losing you for a sec. Maybe you could come back, Patricia. I think she was going to talk about people selling tamales. Um, oh. in the in the neighborhood, which is uh, yeah. definitely one of the greatest things about living uh, in a Mexican neighborhood. Yeah, and that's w- one of the things I, uh, a couple of the stories. So uh, I want to um, just uh, clarify that this is a whole series on San Jose that is still continuing to run. So it started last Wednesday and we're doing one story every day through the end of this week. And so it's not just my piece, um, which I, you referenced, um, but you know, working with seven other um, writers who contributed, each of them zooming in on you know one of these little pockets mm. that I'm talking about. Um, and so uh, there are at least a couple of the stories that talk about um, if, 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 if what the caller was going to talk about was like sort of these tamale stands, um, but just like there's a whole underground economy um, in San Jose that's really thriving also, um, and even compared to other cities that have those sort of communities, just um, you know, I had this one um, beautiful, gorgeous essay um, by a poet, Mexican-American poet, uh, Yosimar Reyes, um, who wrote about how when he was a kid in the 90s, his grandmother out of their apartment, um, they were both undocumented, um, in their apartment, she started up this sort of kitchen where she would sell home-cooked Mexican meals um, and sell them at a discounted price, primarily to all the undocumented migrant workers who lived in their apartment complex. 
Um, and he sort of draws a through line from that to uh, the many, many similar businesses that continue to exist today um, that primarily cater to these immigrant communities, you know? And so again, it's like something that's invisible if you're not part of it. Um, but it's like you have, you know, San Jose is an incredibly expensive, I mean, I think that's worth noting. It's an incredibly expensive place to live right now. Like if you go and look at the real estate listings, you won't mm-hmm. find a house for less than like a million and a half, you know, listed on on Zillow or whatever. Um, but there are still these working class communities that are living there, you know, often like three or four families to a house. Um, and they're the ones who are supporting these like sort of mm-hmm. informal businesses, you know, so they're, they're all going to, you know, someone's driveway or to someone's backyard or to someone's uh, apartment um, for these kind of informal restaurants. Um, and I wanted to celebrate that too. I think there's something beautiful about that, like sort, yeah. of, sort of immigrant communities creating these food communities, you know, by and for, you know, the communities that they belong to. I want to squeeze in one more caller, Justine from Oakland. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I got so excited when I heard you guys talking about like the strip malls and especially the Vietnamese food because I'm Vietnamese from Orange County and I grew up eating at these strip malls and I didn't think of them as Vietnamese delis growing up because they were just something that we got food to go for dinner. And I'm now having the realization that they're like, American delis, but with all these Vietnamese food. And then I'm also vegetarian, which makes it hard to find vegan Vietnamese like deli food in Oakland. Mm. Um, there's one place called Cam Hung, but I'll make the day trip to go to San Jose just to go to these strip malls. And I even have a list on my phone of like all the places I want to hit up. So <laughs> it was really good to hear you guys bring that up. You have any place in particular you want to shout out, or you've just got the like a the long list that you're um, working out? I really like Tan Son for their variety. They're one of like the Vietnamese dessert places, but they also have a bunch of vegetarian to go options. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, hey, thank you so much, Justine. Um, I, I do want to ask you one uh, final thing, Luke, which is, you know, do you worry that sharing this sort of special in community knowledge about some of these immigrant foodways and communities will kind of change them in unexpected ways? Oh, sorry, I muted myself for a second. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I think, uh, sorry, I think, you know, that's always a possibility when you're a journalist covering these communities, um, especially as a food writer, you know, like if, if you write about a place and it blows up and they're not prepared for that, you know, that can have unintended consequences. Um, so, you know, I think that's always something to be conscious of. What I will say is that I have been blown away um, by the response of mm. San Jose people to this series, you know, sort of similar to when I did a series about Taiwanese food a few months ago, you know, the, I, I wasn't expecting that the response would be so similar, which is basically like, thank you so much for writing about us. Nobody ever pays attention to us. So thank you for finally saying it. And that's just been like the overwhelming response that I've seen, you know, on social media um, is just people saying like, this is my, this was my childhood, you know, like this, this is, this is, this is my community. And um, somehow nobody ever 
pays yeah. attention to it. And I and I think, you know, that is that is worth telling. But I yeah. am not gonna put the address of like the taco spot that's like you uh, know, run out yeah. of some of <laughs> someone's apartment. Like I'm not gonna send people there. Um, but right. it's good for people to know that it exists. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to leave it there. We've been talking with KQED food editor Luke Sai about our series of stories, San Jose, the Bay Area's great immigrant food city. Thank you so much, Luke. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with host Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.